0: back to another episode of Dental Student Vibes. My name is Seth Kalish and I'm here today with Anthony Wallish, George Jurekis, Matt Havis, and we have a special guest today, Cole Herzik. Cole, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Seth, and how are you? Fantastic. So today we're going to talk with Cole about his first year at dental school. Um, but first, we have a response from one of our listeners, uh, we we spoke about uh, Alina's journey last week, and or a couple weeks ago, and she was explaining to us her situation with applying to dental school, and we you know she had some questions. We answered the questions. So go back and listen to that uh, episode. It's a pre-dental Q&A, and so Alina responded, "Hey, thank you guys again for answering my questions. I left a review as well. Thanks for the review, Alina." I just wanted to update you all that I got accepted off the waitlist to Rutgers a few days ago and still interviewing, going on my 10th interview this week. Thank you again. All of us pre-dental students appreciate resources like this podcast a ton. So absolutely, Alina. You, you got your 10th interview. That's insane. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's a huge, huge feat. Absolutely. So, um, Cole. The, the spotlight's on you now. How's it going? How's, how's the first year dental school? First year is honestly a joy. It is a joy.
1: Um, every day is a new thing learned. Every day leads to a new door to be opened, a new person to meet, um, and something to get me closer to my future career. So, I mean, to be honest, I thought I'd be a lot more stressed than I am right now. I'm loving every single minute of
0: every day. That's awesome. So, Cole, give us kind of like your background. Uh, Where are you from? Uh, How was your journey up to applying to dental school? Um, And then your whole experience of getting into dental school.
1: Right. So I'm originally from Vero Beach, Florida. I graduated last year from University of Florida. And, uh, you know, I come from a dental family. My grandfather and my aunt are both dentists. So, you know, growing up, I worked in their office, I got a little bit of experience here and there, um, but you know, you always want to make sure that what you're doing is your passion, and what you really want to do for the rest of your life. So I decided to branch out, you know, explore some of the career paths and I found some way, shape or form to always come back to dental. I always loved being in the office, loved being with the patients and loved that you could take that opportunity and change somebody's whole life just by changing their smile. So. That was something that always shined to me and something that was a big deal. So that's how I kind of got into that. Um, I shouted some other doctors, um, I shouted some other dentists, I shouted some specialists and um, I really loved everything that I saw. After hearing a little bit about you know some schools and some stuff like that, it was really really a great opportunity. And um, I think it was really neat to have this whole experience
0: okay. I mean that sounds awesome, and it's it's great that you got so much experience before you got into dental school, because um, I know a lot of guys like Matt, you and George, you know, not to call you out or anything. But you guys didn't have like a ton of like working experience or anything like that. No dentists in the family, right?
2: No, no, no. I mean, never worked in a dental office. I've been to a dental office as a patient. <laughs> I shadowed, but I mean, I never, yeah. I never worked and saw the behind the scenes, like the systems and everything. So, I mean, that's huge for the people that have. You could see that they definitely have a clear advantage
0: over the other people yeah. in, in the class. So, Cole, do you think that like you're able to adjust pretty well J- just because you've got this background? I would say the big thing
1: for me is once you start working in the clinic and you start seeing some patients like we've been doing that vertical integration in our first year, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more comfortable. The nerve wracking aspect of seeing a patient and right. having to you know have a human life in your hands that you're taking care of, that aspect is taken away for sure. So I think that's a little bit more of a smooth transition. And of course, you know, working in an office knowing some of the terminology was definitely a benefit.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also, um, I mean, like you said, I think the biggest thing right off the bat is like how to uh, kind of connect with patients, how to act around patients, how to talk to patients. That's that's honestly like one of the most difficult parts. That's they, the hardest part in the industry. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So called being a first year, how do you think your bedside manner is considering that you had so much experience, you know, working in your family's offices and everything?
1: I can say um, to be to give you a great anecdote about two weeks ago we had our first uh, hygiene patient as D ones and to be honest even though I you know been in an office I'd had patients I was a little little nervous I'll be honest um, but as far as my bedside manner goes I think it was you know really it was good because I didn't treat it as this was my patient in my chair it was we had this older gentleman and I treated it as another older gentleman that I was meeting for the first time and I had a great conversation with him he you know he's from Michigan and he was telling me about his life and I was just listening and throughout those little anecdotes that we had about his story and what brought him here today I started asking his questions you know what's recent medical history have you you know had any recent surgeries any changes to your you know medication list and through that it wasn't so much of like I was drilling him about his medical history. It was more so we were just having a, you know, a little casual conversation. I was asking him how his health was going. And then we just happened to do dentistry after. Mm-hmm. So right. that was one of the beautiful things
0: about it. And you know, one of the, the nice things in dental school um, is that you get more time to spend with the patients rather than just zooming through them. So you're able to connect more, you're able to practice your communication skills, right? Right. So you get, you get a chance to talk with the patients. It's tough, too, because, you know, I, I was doing a COE
2: today on a patient, and it's so hard to sit there and try to make things conversational when you have some patients that are just, like, they're in the chair and you can tell they're nervous. So then you're like, um, yeah, do you have any infectious diseases? And you're announcing it, other people could hear as they walk by and stuff. It's kind of hard to, you know, make it sound casual. So if you could start doing that, like, quickly right off the bat,
3: I mean, I think you will be at a huge advantage. I think the key, and this is just not only with patients, but just with any person – interpersonal relationship is to at some point of like um, something that you can relate to you know right. whether it be sports or it be music or it be um, just anything that's you know something that can spark an interest and spark mm-hmm. a conversation I think that is one of the best ways to get kind of into the groove of getting to know your patient because you will have those patients that are super friendly and super, you know, willing to talk to you and, you know, they're really patient and they're really just great people. And then you have those other patients that are nervous or you know, maybe they're in a bad mood or they're having a bad day or quite frankly, they don't even want to be in the chair because like that's completely understandable. So Mm -hmm. I think trying to find something that you can relate to helps them open up and from there you can kind of infiltrate a conversation and from there the appointment usually goes a lot smoother. So good job with that and keep it going, man. Absolutely. Thank
0: you. So, how was your um, application process? So, with the application process, I, I
1: picked ten schools. Um, I kind of wanted to, you know, give myself some options, but I didn't want to go overboard. I didn't want to apply, you know, to thirty different schools, spend a lot of money when I didn't want to go to a lot of different places. You know, I wanted to kind of stay closer to family. That's one big thing with me. I'm very family oriented, and right. I really like to stay close to my family. So. I'm based out of the Southeast and I kind of wanted to stay based okay. out of the Southeast. So
0: location was your biggest uh, factor? Location was huge. Okay, and then what were some other things that you were looking at when you're trying to decide on schools?
1: Um, definitely, obviously family. I have families spread out throughout the Southeast, so I wanted to see it was location, but it was also location to family. But another thing that I wanted to look at was a place that, that I'm gonna spend potentially three to four years there that I'm gonna love and I'm gonna enjoy, and it's going to be you know beneficial to me to live in that area. Not so much, you know, I'm living somewhere up north, I can't do deal with the snow, so I didn't want to live somewhere where I would have to, you know, dig out my car for 45 minutes before I head to dental school every right. morning. Have you ever done that before? I have not, but it just to be honest, it looks miserable. It's not fun. Dude, I, I literally sucks. have
0: no idea what to do. You know, like if I walk outside and there's four feet of snow. I, I'm not going anywhere that day. Like, I, I don't know what to do. Seth's hibernating for the winter. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> to call an Uber. It. <laughs> That's, that, there you go. Problem solving. 101. So, okay. Um, tell me more about um, when you went through the AdSAS process, uh, writing your essay, getting letters of rec. Uh, tell me how that went for you. So, with the essay process, I felt that
1: I love writing, um, and so writing about myself, um was not too difficult just because I like to kind of freelance and I give it a little bit of you know like my own personal touch Um, it wasn't you know kind of like this monotonous robot speak you know I had a little bit of flowery language but that's just who I am that's my personality so I feel like that comes um, well out through my writing Um, but another thing about the process was for me that I felt was a little bit challenging was I didn't really make those personal connections with a lot of my professors to where that they knew me on a first and last name basis that they could write me these letters, you know, that we're all looking for. So for me, I thought that was probably my biggest challenge um, was getting that personalized letter that I felt was the best representation of me. Of course, you know, we uh, as many of you will see and many of you know. You're, you know, withdrawing your right to see your letter of recommendation written by a professor. And right. I wasn't able to read many of my letters, but I can imagine knowing that they don't know me as well as they probably should have to write me, you know, this personalized letter that's tailor made to me. Um, you know, it's probably not what it could have been. And so I would say that was something that, if I could go back and take that back, I think I would have made some better connections with some of my professors going through undergrad. Right.
0: Um. Funny story for you. When I when I was going through that whole process of getting the letters of rec, uh, one day I drove up to Tallahassee. Uh, this is when I was in my master's degree at USF, and I drove up, went up there, met with a professor. Uh, he had no idea who I was, but I was like, "Hey, I got an A in your class." And th- this is like at the point when I was desperate. Like I didn't know if I was going to get any letters from the master's degree uh, professors, and. He's like, all right. I mean, I'll write it for you. So I gave him. So it, let's say that you do that in your uh, uh, letter of rec process. Give them your resume. Uh, write like all the things that you did in college. Um, write like your give your personal statement as well. Maybe give some photos of you, like that sort of thing, just to really like help them write something good about you. Because and and I just met with him for one day. I had his class like three years prior, and then drove back down. It's like a four-hour drive from Tampa to Tallahassee, um, and and I, I only could spend like one night there because I had like a bunch of exams the next day. So it was it was a time crunch, but that that's a little bit of advice for some of you guys who are like, just like, you, I guess you could just email uh, a bunch of your professors that maybe you got an A in their class or something like that. I, d- I didn't end up using his, uh, thankfully, because I was able to get letters from the people in the master's degree because I started... Going to their office like every week and stuff so they got to know me but little a uh, little little tip for you there all right so um
3: cole first is going well which we all want to hear one of the biggest things is your transition into sim lab um i know you guys just started operative this semester and i'm pretty sure if i uh saw correctly today when i ran into sim lab, you guys were doing class twos we were so why don't you run mm-hmm. me through Uh, sim lab you can talk about dentures if you want or we can just go straight to operative tell me how it's going right Um, so kind of going from the beginning when we first got in a
1: sim lab we took you know a sim lab course we took dental anatomy and part of dental anatomy was we had our sim lab component where we were waxing up teeth Um, we were doing that and to be honest that's one of those things that I'm sure a lot of you will feel once you get to that point or have already gone to that point you know it's not real yet you're, you know, you're waxing up a tooth, but you're. It's very crucial because you're learning anatomy, and we're finding that now when we're starting operative that that was so crucial mm-hmm. and so important to pay attention to because when you're doing like a class two, like we did today, or even a class one, to get that occlusal surface right, you need to know, you know, where are my pits? Where is the fossa? Where are these grooves? Where does all that need to go? And that then draws back to what you were supposed to have learned in dental anatomy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we went to a dental anatomy and then we went to dentures. And then from there, we're starting operative now. And, uh, you know, it all comes together. And that's the big thing that we're seeing. The ones that especially paid attention during dental anatomy, you know, things are, are cake. It's easy, life is good. Life is good. What do you- love? Got red bottoms on <laughs> <laughs> what, What's your opinion on dentures? Dentures. Um, You know, dentures is a tough process. Uh, It's a very arduous process. It takes a lot of skill, a little bit of finesse. In um, one a lot of the a, bit of finesse. a lot of bit of finesse, right? <laughs> you, Fest- you good stooning. with that festooning? Festooning. What even is festooning? Why you make they? it look all pretty and bougie, right? Festooning is that it's a, it's a fun word in itself, but festooning is not easy. No. Uh, we actually got a chance to go to a a, a a lab that you know does a lot of the fabrication uh, close to us for our school, and we saw a guy that all he does all day, day in and day out, is festoon, um, and we got to see what it can really be. You know, not just you know us dental students. That you know, it's our first time picking up the torch and some of the wax instruments. And this guy does it all day, every day. Um, He's living the dream. He is living the dream. God bless his soul. He has a lot of patience.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. That was so hard. I remember when I was doing it. I kind of made it look like, I guess, the fabric on like a trampoline, where it's just like splotching and it has like little squares like knitted. And I asked one of the professors, like... What trampoline
0: is that? You
2: know what I'm talking about. It's like like the... That really wiry material, and they weave it together, and it looks like little squares together. All right, whatever. Maybe I'm jumping on the wrong trampolines. So <laughs> it just, my point is, it looked real bad. I was, I thought it was good. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna put this in somebody's mouth right now, going like, and, <laughs> <You're> and <really laughs> sterilize it or anything, bro. Uh, no, dude, it works. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then they walked like Matt. You're gonna have to do something about this. This just doesn't work. And I go, what doesn't work about it? And they were like, well, it doesn't look like gum tissue. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So, long story short, I ended up having to do it again and again. I just took it and sort of pressing on my thumb, just trying to add like anatomy. Because it's so difficult to do if you just don't have the mindset. Like, I was trying to copy a picture on, you know, whatever, like Google or whatever, and it just turned out so bad. So, anyone that confessed to tune real well, more power to you.
0: More power Absolutely. to you, aka, right? Uh, in the lab script, Please festoon. Pretty, please. Pretty Cole, please.
3: Cole when you guys have done your class twos, have you done
1: restorations on them yet? We have not. We on Thursday actually we start um,
3: our first amalgam on a class Oh, so two. you're gonna have to learn yeah. my, my question was gonna be have you used the top of yet? We yeah. have not.
0: Okay, whatever you do, <laughs> don't press hard with your thumb. Oh man. I've actually, sliced I, my yeah, thumb yeah, open yeah, yeah. so yes. many times. You'll
3: you'll put it you'll put like the band around the tooth while it's in the well, it's in the device, and you try to push it down because you want it to go down so that you can like restore, so right. go as cervical as possible. Right. And sometimes, if you push too hard, like if you push down occlusively, you're, you're cutting you're it's essentially and right it won't to your stop finger. bleeding either. You won't believe right. it, yeah. It's it like be, a razor blade, yeah. It's yeah,
2: it, it, it cucks like a razor blade. If you ever yeah. nick yourself shaving and nick your finger. Yeah, Topham-Mire George one time <laughs> had to shave and he <laughs> ran out of... Yeah, George himself. used a tuffle to No shave. cuts either on his skin. It yeah. was great. I actually cut myself with uh, amalgam carver one time. I got <laughs> amalgam stuck in my finger. Oh, I remember that. that. I, I still kind of have like
3: a little bump to this day. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> An amalgam tattoo. Absolutely. Amalgam's cool though because like with composite, at least with the composite that we use... You can play with it for a half hour before you right. set it. Right. With Amalgam, you kinda have a limited time to make sure that it looks good and then after that you're done. Right. So I, I personally am a fan of amalgam. I know it's not the ecstatic one, but in terms of doing it just in SimLab I think it's fun. Yeah, oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, you so, can go ahead, George. No. You go ahead. <laughs> Thank you, George. So, um, I was going to say in terms of the amalgam too, you can't, I mean, you could sit there with composite forever and you could just try to make it as pretty as you can, mm-hmm. but I mean, you have like nine or 10 minutes to, to work with the amalgam. So you do it and you just, so it makes you have to do it. And it usually turns out just as good as the composite in such a short amount of time because you know, you've got to move because once it hardens and if you don't like it, you have to drill it out and then redo it. So I mean, better to do it right the first time. Yeah.
3: And we use this thing for composite called the Paladent, um, right. I'm not the biggest fan of it. It's all right. I, I like to use top of Myers for that too, for composite. Right. So if you struggle with the pal, then try a matrix band. Right. Oh so, yeah. But yeah, it's fun. You're going to enjoy it. I'm looking forward to it. So we brought up, uh, Simlab.
2: Sounds like it's going well. How are your didactic courses going? Such as like histology, anatomy, all the basic sciences. Yeah.
1: So, you know, the basic sciences going into dental school, I didn't realize that, um, we'd be learning so much about the human body and about everything that's happening. And I was actually talking with this about my mom yesterday on the phone. We were talking about how I'm learning so much about, you know, in pharmacology and the different things that you see that the world around you starts to feel a little bit more apparent about what's going on. You watch a, you know, a funny like Celebrex commercial or something on TV. And of course, you know, these commercials, they give you this little graphic of something that doesn't have anything to do with the drug, but then you read the name, and then you read the generic name, and then you read, you know, some of the side effects and what happens. And then it's funny because you start to then be able to apply why this is happening to this patient, Mm -hmm. why they're having these side effects, why they shouldn't take it because of the contraindications, because they're maybe on different medication, or they have, you know, some other problem going on in their body. So honestly, it's eye opening about how much we're learning. I would say it's going well um, because to be honest, I personally, and I think a lot of people are this way, when something's interesting, you want to learn more about it. You want to read and research more into it. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely very difficult mm-hmm. learning every little thing. We just had a test on the spinal nerves and all the tracks that run through
3: the body and mm-hmm.
0: It's brutal. It's, it's probably the toughest subject right there.
3: It's, it's yeah, definitely one yeah. of uh, those commercials. By the way, I just want to touch on them. It's cool because like you, you feel like you, you're more educated now. You ever notice how like the people like they're dancing while they're like side effects may include it's like the worst things exactly. like, <laughs> ever. Yeah, you, know. you may die, and they're <laughs> over here like waltzing around the house. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> But man, the volume that you're getting right now is just it's it's intense and they expect you to just be like, here it is, and know it. And sometimes you're only seeing it once, sometimes you get the opportunity to see it more than once, but you kinda just have to adapt on the fly. It's tough. Right. Like, but you'll get through it, man. Yeah.
2: Speaking on the volume of the material, how's your time management now that you know you've kind of seen how dental school works with you know high velocity?
1: Honestly, I would say that going in, that was another fear that, you know, time management, I was gonna have to compromise a lot of things, I wasn't gonna be able to You know, I'm I'm fairly active and I like to go to the gym every day and I like to have a little bit of time to I like to get into music and I like to do you know a little bit of the things that I like to do and I thought I'd have to compromise some of that. But I'm finding honestly the more and more that I you know I I got a planner and I actually as opposed to what I used to do, I'd buy a planner and never fill it out. Mm -hmm. Now I find myself I fill it out every day, the day before, during that day even, um, you know, what I'm going to do for the day, what are my goals? What am I going to accomplish and when I plan it out like that and i you know effectively manage my time correctly i'm able to do a lot i'm able to you know i'm able to still go to the gym every day you know to clear my head and you know keep active and i'm still able to you know spend that time going into the sim lab and practicing after hours i'm able to read some of these chapters that i need to in my textbooks i'm able to do a lot more than i thought i would just by simply taking the time to plan it out Mm -hmm. and then executing he said planner and seth perked up
2: you well, uh,
0: hey, for all you listeners out there, keep your eyes and ears open for the Dental Student Vibes planner coming to a bookstore near you. And calendar. And calendar. It's going to be different pictures of us. You know, like the fireman calendar? Seasons, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there
2: you go. Imagine a fireman with a
0: handpiece. <laughs> That's genuine <laughs> We're using a handpiece to put out a
3: forest fire. Yeah, you <laughs> just turn the water. The all way uh, up. Air water
0: just syringe. Just, yeah.
2: Yeah, something like that. Yeah.
0: All right. So, Cole, um, tell me a little bit about um, like what what's one of the most difficult situations that you might have faced so far? Like, what when was a, a time that you're like, wow, this is like getting pretty stressful, getting pretty heated, and um how did you kind of, how did you get past that point? So I would say,
1: um, and I know you guys can attest to this too, when you get a really packed schedule, especially towards like the latter half of a fall or a spring, when they pack all these exams in right around the same time, and maybe you'll have multiple during the day, or maybe it's even something where it's like, oh, you know, it's not so bad. It's not too like didactic classes, but it's still two tests. You'll have maybe a sim lab opportunity, you know, for operative class. And, Then you also have a didactic uh, test that you have to study for. But it's that every single day of the week. Um, So for me, I think it was our first real stressful time where we had five tests in a row, um, uh, you know, a period of four days. It was two in one day, and then the other days we had, you know, one right after one another. Um, So I think the most, you know, kind of stressful and kind of the most challenging thing I've faced thus far was that, doing that and being able to, you know, Provide the ample amount of time to study for every single thing. Um, And I'm kind of one of those people, I'm just a perfectionist by nature, that I wanted to make sure I covered all the material that I needed to more than once, twice, three times. Um, But I had to, you know, obviously compromise on what I needed to study, you know, go over just the stuff that I knew the least and not able to go over, you know, some of the stuff that I probably knew the best. So I'd say, but the way I I attacked it was, like I mentioned before, effectively planning my day um, writing down, this is what I need to accomplish. And then as I go through it, check it off my planner. I did it. Okay. Check. Um, and then having to, you know, maybe compromise a little bit, maybe go to the gym for a little bit less that day. Maybe not even go. Um, you just have to effectively manage your time well and prioritize the things that are the most important. And of course, as always, school is always the most
0: important. So you always put that at the top of your priority list. Awesome. Awesome answer. Um, so what, is, what are some of the other extracurriculars that are related to school? Like what are, what are some things about dentistry that you're learning uh, through what resources and, but, but outside of school? Outside of school. So it's,
1: it's, it's funny that you should say that because it's something that school kind of pushed me into, but then I'm starting to try to branch out a little bit more than myself outside of school. So through our business club, at school, we were able to make some great contacts with some people um, that are, you know, dentists in the private industry, successful business people that they're on top of their game. They know what they have to offer, and they're willing to share it with all of us dental students, which is a great thing. And you know, they're always making themselves available to us. Um, they're offering their help, their wisdom to little things that we won't learn necessarily learn in school. And things that will push us that much farther forward in being the best dentist that we can be. So something I've done is getting a little bit more involved in so their social media, you know, reaching out to them, finding out some information from them, and learning a little bit more about the field of dentistry that I necessarily can't learn from picking up a textbook or going to lecture every day. The little things that can only be learned by, you know, actually, you know, quote unquote, putting the work in and getting your feet dirty in the trenches, you know, actually. Really going into the office, seeing patients, running a business. So that stuff you, we really won't won't learn in school. So we would need somebody outside that's already in the business side of dentistry that has seen that, or has already been in the operative side that sees patients on a daily basis. So being able to reach out to those contacts and learn from them, that's something that I'm definitely spending my extracurricular time to do because I know that will put me
0: that next step above the rest. That sounds awesome. I think, um, You brought up some good points about how to reach out to these people. So number one, you said um, use social media. And there's absolutely no reason that anybody can't reach out to anyone else these days. Like it's so common to just like get messages on Instagram or on Facebook or Twitter or anything else. And then, I mean, let alone just, you know, typing up an email and just reaching out. Like we did that the other day, Uh, reached out to a guy where we listened to his podcast. And I'm just like, hey, what are some things that I can do now uh, as a dental student that will prepare me for like right when I get out of school, like just hit the ground running? And he gave me a list. His name is Josh Cochran. So shout out to Josh. Um, he uh, and he gave us a great list and we're just going to start going down those different resources that he gave, a bunch of different CEs that he recommended, all that sort of stuff. So I'll, I'll share that with you. Um, but... Uh, what are so, so You're not afraid to just you know email somebody, right? Just pick up the phone or call or what? Right, and that's the thing. You even said it. Um, you know, it's great to reach out on social
1: media, but personally, that's just my personality. I love to talk, and I love to talk to people, and I think a conversation is definitely a little bit more personal. So I know I'm definitely not afraid to you know get a phone number and call an office. In fact, you know through this business club that we have at our school, we were able to, you know, make this c- connect with this uh, private dentist. Um, his name is Dr. Greg Winteregg, and he works for a company that basically helps dentists get their best fit and helps dental students that are coming out of school find their best practice so shout out to dr Winteregg for all that he's doing to help us dental students find our best fit once we graduate Um, and he put us all into contact with um, a great oral surgeon in south carolina and he's this oral surgeon is offering this amazing opportunity to dental students to do a ce course and I think it's amazing that we have all of these amazing resources at our fingertips that people are just willing to offer to us because they, like us, love the field of dentistry and they want to give back to it. They want it to be the best that it can be.
0: Okay. So wrapping it up here, What are some? what is one tip that you can give a pre-dental student and then what is one tip that you can give a student who has applied, they got into school, and they're about to enter their D1 year? So I'd start with the, the pre-dental student. Um, I would say the
1: best thing you can do to prepare yourself and to kind of you know get all your ducks in a row and what you need to do is, like I said before, the, oh, it's a two-parter. The first part is get to know those professors so that they can effectively write you a letter of recommendation that is tailor-made to you. They're not going to give you a cookie-cutter letter that they'll write for anyone else. You wanna really make sure that you develop a connection with them. And it doesn't even have to be you know, that you guys go and get coffee on the weekends. It needs to be just a connection where they know what kind of person you are, not what kind of student, Like that's obviously important, but they wanna know what kind of person you are. And that's what makes a letter personal, and that's what's gonna make that personal letter being read by one of the admissions committees that much more special. The second part is that you need to look at what is important to you in your application process. For me, it was location and it was being close to my family. And it was you know, in an environment that was conducive to me to learn and live. So when you're applying, don't just apply to 30 schools because you're worried that you're not going to get into one. You can be a little bit more selective with what you need because remember, say you do get accepted to one of these schools. You have to go there and you have to live there. And if you're living in a place where you're not happy, your days are not gonna be happy. One great piece of advice, and I know it's corny to say, but it's really true. When you're happy with what you do and where you are, everything is positive. Everything goes without saying, you will be happy every single day that you're there. And that's a huge thing. Being happy is one reason that I feel that I'm so successful in every single one of my days here. Um, And then the advice that I'd give to somebody that is currently got accepted, I would say the biggest thing that you can do to prepare yourself is two things is, shadow in a dental office actually get some dental experience and get some bearing before you get into school because you're going to be hit with so many different things at the same time that the best thing to do is familiarize yourself so it's not so much of a barrage of knowledge that you're unfamiliar with get more acquainted with the field and i would say personally this is something that i didn't do but i would recommend it to anybody else because i learned from experience i would Somehow, some way, shape, or form, whether you have to take another class at some local college or you have to buy a book on yourself, know your bodily anatomy. Learn your anatomy. Know why your body is the way it is. Because honestly, that is the key to a lot of these courses to pharmacology, like I was talking about before. Knowing the body, especially with dentistry, knowing the human body is so crucial and it's something that they're going to breeze through anatomy and they're just going to expect you to know
0: it. So make sure you know your anatomy. Awesome. Awesome answers. All right, Cole. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental Student Vibes. On behalf of Anthony, George, Matt, Cole, and myself, thank you so much for the continued support. And we wish you much success. Stay tuned for the next upcoming episode. We've got uh, some very special guests coming up. Very excited for that. And be sure to check out our social media accounts at dental.student.vibes on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time, vibe on.